I'm Austin. And I'm Anna. And, and this, this is Grits. Grits. Join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raised in the South. Mm-hmm. So let's get gritty. <laughs> All right. I feel like I start every episode like that. I know. Episode number three of season two. Season two. We had three episodes in season one. So <laughs> it's great to see you a second time. I know. It's um, been we've seen each other this week. I know. It's been, it's been fun. Uh, whew, what a week. Mm-hmm. What a week in, in the world of Afton. Well, uh, last episode, or perhaps the episode before that, I had talked about how uh, I had been working with a group for the past four months that had been trying to unseat a legislator who had sexually abused underage girls when he was a basketball coach, uh, and I was an elected official. And what was interesting is that uh, we had the target, he was the target for a very long time, and then when he was reelected, the Speaker of the House of Tennessee decided to elevate him as one giant middle finger to all of us who had been working on the campaign. Mind you, he had called us, he spent, uh, the Speaker of the House spent uh, a lot of money creating editorial content that described us as radical socialist feminists being bussed into this rural county to knock doors and talk about this legislator, which was funny because all of the women in this group were from there and they were from rural Tennessee. Uh, anyway, so he was elected. We were still going to continue pressuring, uh, him to resign the, the legislator. And then the speaker of the house elevated him to the head of an education subcommittee. Uh, so we have been on him to try and say, this is inappropriate. How could you do this under your leadership? Uh, and basically, uh, the Nashville scene wrote an article this week that said, the Speaker of the House has had a hell of a week. <laughs> and I posted it on my Facebook. And I was like, my week's been great. Um, but I, you know, it, it's just a testament to the drum beat of pressure and speaking truth to power and ensuring that you were always showing up, you were holding your elected officials accountable. And I'm just so grateful for all of the women that have been part of this. Uh, And we worked really, really hard, and we had so many earned media hits this week, and uh, it just so happened that CNN showed up, and I heard they were camped outside the Speaker of the House's office, the state legislature, and uh, Jake Tapper revealed a segment on his The Lead show yesterday at 3 o'clock that highlighted our work to unseat this legislator and hold the Speaker of the House accountable. So it's just... Particularly in organizing, you democracy in action, as you'll hear my mom talk about later. Uh, you know, you 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 plant a thousand seeds, and you just watch them grow, and you see how they grow, and you hope that good comes of it. And I and I felt that way four months ago. I didn't really know what we were getting into. Besides, I picked up a kitten in the district while canvassing. I thought that was all I was going to get out of it. Uh, but lo and behold, uh, we've we're, we've been able to put a lot of pressure on him. And I think it's really moving the needle. So I'm really excited to see how that uh, materializes in the future. The second update I have is that, oh my God. So we talked about nugs and pugs and all trains, planes, automobiles, nugs and pugs, everything in between. And I was on my way back from Kentucky and my boyfriend had said that his daughter wanted to get a dog and they were going to go to the pound and look for one. And I'm very adamant about getting flat-faced dogs, as we talked about my affinity (laughs) for flat-faced animals. And so 
just trolling a little on Craigslist, which Craigslist is another story. Uh, I've lots of Austin Craigslist stories. And lo and behold, I put pugs in, and the first hit was someone who was trying to rehome their year-old pug named Frankie out of Clarksville. And we were about 45 minutes from the... Uh, from Clarksville. And so we met the owner, we picked him up and he was in the living room within two hours. And it's funny because we were going to name him Frankie with an IE, but as my boyfriend rightfully pointed out that my family is obsessed with Y's in names because, (laughs) (laughs) because my name Afton typically is A-F-T-O-N, but it's Welsh spelling. So it's Y as well as my little brother. And so it's only appropriate that Frankie is F-R-A-N-K-Y. So we'll post some pictures of Frankie. He's been, he's very cute. Uh, he's got a, he's got a, a very peculiar personality. He he's a puppy. He's a little rough and tumble, but he's also very dainty. He doesn't like going out in the rain, and he tiptoes around mulch, and he doesn't like you watching when he's going to the bathroom. So he's he's a nice addition to the to the family, and uh, and I'm really excited to have a little pug. Yeah. So my updates. Um, I actually got to meet Frankie this week. So that's my number one update. <laughs> Um, Afton and Chris hosted uh, an event for a mayoral candidate, um, and I was interested to hear what he had to say and also to um, see some cool people. Um, So I went and got uh, snuggles from all the animals in the house. (laughs) Nug was, I saw you reach over, Nug is obsessed with popcorn, and so, Mm -hmm. but Anna made a quick, quick, bold move and just snagged him from off the table yeah, and yeah. you know Annie Anna's a, a a tabby whisperer so she's got some she's got some mad skills with the tabbies but all the nugs yeah. and pugs were loving on Anna so it was great I miss as um the owner of uh 30 pound cats I missed um <laughs> baby baby tabbies so I got to um snuggle yeah it's, I'm snuggle sure nug it's for a, a bit a, a snuggle nug that's what mm-hmm. I say it's a nug it's a nug snug mm-hmm. uh I'm sure you haven't picked up a cat that small. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's what I I did this week. And also, um, I'm on day 20 of Whole30. Oh, God. That's a a big update. Um, Yeah, I was a little upset when she came over because I had bought a bunch of wine. I was, like, trying to stuff some Chardonnay in her face. And she's like, "Um, no, I'm on the Whole30. And I just looked at her and I go, get out. It's, like, very hard to, like, go in public, and the only place I can get food besides, like, home is at Whole Foods. So. Of course it is. And even there, that's I, part like, of your That's one of your West Nashville personality I now. know. It's like I moved to Midtown, and, and all of a sudden I'm on Whole Foods. I only shop, well, and I only shop at Whole Foods. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can't go out to eat. I can't drink. I barely have any energy. You did this to yourself. I know. I know. I'm asking for it. But it's been really hard, like... There was a girls' night last night with some um, uh, former coworkers, and they like handed me a glass of rose when I walked in, and I was like, I can't drink it, and I drank sparkling water the whole time. Um, but it's been a real lesson in like discipline and willpower, one that I um, wasn't prepared for. <laughs> but I'm I'm actually going to cut it short because my mom and sister are coming this next weekend um, to town, and. It's not fun that often, so I can't... And it's not fun. That's like when I gave up drinking when I saw Dolly Parton, and it's like, oh, I'm in Austin, my friends are coming in, I'm not fun anymore. I mean, I can be fun without drinking, as as can you, but... Right, yeah, like, I went to a bar last night until, like, I don't know, 1230 or something, and, like, 
just drinking club soda and lime is, like, the worst. And it's weird to see the social pressure that's inflicted upon you when you're not drinking. You know, people that's an eyebrow raise, and you're like, hey, I'm just trying to live my life. Back off! Yeah, I know. So, anyway, it's good, but I would not recommend, and I don't feel the tiger's blood or whatever you're supposed to feel yet. Like, you're supposed to, like... Tiger's blood? Yeah, like, after day 15, you're supposed to just wake up and have more energy than you've ever had, and, like, you're supposed to feel so good, and, like, I don't. I feel horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this. Um, But anyway, that's my my updates. Oh, and I went to, um, at the last minute, I, like, got signed up for this... um, like, a development training, like, raising money for an organization, and so I drove out to Lebanon, um, which is... And then rural Tennessee is probably my second. <laughs> I love talking about that on the pod. You remember the first story you told about, it was last year, when you went out to that children, the parade in rural Tennessee or Oh, something. yes, yeah. Way out of her comfort zone. Yeah, I've had a few, like, um, one was in, uh, Carrie Roberts... <laughs> What time is it? Frankie's from Carrie Roberts District. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. The pug. Ugh. That's, that's a whole other story. But yeah, it was one over there. And then I went to Carthage one time, and I was, like, Mark Pody oh, signs everywhere. Anyway, I couldn't handle yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I went out there, and it was, like, um, like, five or six hours total. And, you know, those things, like... I mean, I'm not outgoing at all, but I'm, like, friendly and, like, pretty talkative. But it was, like, you had to make friends with your table, and you had to do, like, two truths and a lie, and you had to, like, tell tell a six-word story. What were your two truths and a lie? um, I think we all just, like, decided – what did I say? I was, like, I'm hungry, I'm bored. (laughs) (laughs) This is the difference between you and I. I'm, like, I do a great Britney Spears impression. I speak three languages. Like – that is hilarious. Yeah. That, that is that is the defining yeah. difference. Yeah, that's hilarious. I was like, I'm hungry, I'm bored, and I'm from outer space or something like that. Like, Because I couldn't eat because none of the food was... Like, it was like a lunch, and like I couldn't eat any of the food. And you have, so. the, and you have all these really <laughs> excited marketing personalities around There's you. Like, and people you're just walking like, around <laughs> with microphones, like doing crowd work, and like trying to get the crowd <laughs> the table to participate, and I'm like, like that is your sliding hell. down that in is my your chair. Hell. Oh, God. Oh, God. God. Keep in mind that the fundraiser is like three months away, so like my enthusiasm for it is like maybe maybe when we get You're just closer. like I want a glass of rose <laughs> and a pizza. So if you could just leave me alone, thanks. Okay, bye. Yeah, so that was definitely a highlight of the week. All right. Well, we are uh, super excited to host uh, my mother, our first Griddles Mama Corner. Mm-hmm. She's going to talk a little bit about our travel, her travels, excuse me, and uh, apparently she's going to be our field correspondent. So <laughs> you have that to look forward to. So stay tuned. We're really excited. Um, and up next is Mama Bane. All right. Well, today is an exciting and inaugural moment in the Grits Pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we are here with my mother, uh, the the infamous Mother Griddle uh, that has been mentioned on the pod multiple times. Um, and I'm really, really excited because she is uh, one of the smartest, funniest people I know. Um, and we're really excited to have you. Mom, what's going on? What's, where are you right now? I am up on the shores of Norris Lake, and we are almost in an epic flood here because of all the rain this week. Uh, Dad and I checked on the dock this morning around 11, and the gangplank was was 
awfully stuck. And Dad had to wait in the water and get it unstuck. And he went out five hours later, roughly maybe four hours later, and the water's up two feet already oh from when gosh. we adjusted it. So some so, some biblical flooding in East Tennessee. It is very high flooding, and the lake water is all brown, and normally it's a beautiful, um, like, turquoise. Well, maybe not turquoise, but kind of dark green. It's it's a very clean lake. I've heard it's the second cleanest lake in Tennessee, but you wouldn't know that right now. So, so what's, anyway. a, what's, a, what's a funny story you can tell to everyone on the pod about uh, the Bain family or your favorite griddle uh, at the lake? Oh dear! Well, think about uh, think about it for a second. Think about it for a second. So I'll, I'll brief. So okay. we've had this lake house for a while. There's been a lot of adventures and Bain family fun, and it's just been it's 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 a it's a pristine and just beautiful place that my family um, makes pilgrimages to often. My mom and dad go up there with our pug Frank. But what's a any particular story stand out that you think would be funny to tell? Well, I'm not sure it's so funny, but was it last summer when we had the um, volunteers up, the Jesuit volunteers up for a weekend? Oh, yeah. There was a really bad storm coming, and the boat decided to (laughs) shut down. And we only have one paddle in the lake, and I think there were 10 of us on the boat. I should say one paddle on the boat, 10 of us in the boat on the lake, and we were trying to paddle to the marina as quick as we could as the thunderstorm and heavy rain's coming. And if not for a gracious neighbor coming to our rescue with his boat and pulling us to the marina, we may still be stuck out there. (laughs) Well, and so just for the, we've talked uh, our three episodes in season one. (laughs) We talked about Norman and the Jesuit volunteers. Norman was the bulldog that the JVs watched, and uh, mom was saying that we, we invited the JVs up to the lake house. Uh, and so, you know, we're on our boat, we're having lots of fun. And then all of a sudden the boat stalls in the middle of the lake. And my dad is just like in emergency dad mode. He's like, everyone down, get on the ground. He's like, all right, where's the paddle? Afton up there. And he starts, and we're just like starting to paddle. I mean, you would have thought it was, it was the end. It was the end of the Bain family. Well, it was a bad thunderstorm with lightning and that's very dangerous to be in a boat on a lake in that kind of weather. But mom, all my Girl Scout training had taught me that the storm was about 30 miles out, so we really had more time. Well, you tell that to your father. So, <laughs> Anyways, we were all safe. Norman Norman the Bulldog was safe, although he almost did hyperventilate and die, but that's another mm-hmm. story for another day. Um, don't take Bulldogs out in 100-degree weather, if I've learned anything. Um, now he's living in Phoenix, so... He has an exciting Oh, well, good luck with 100-degree weather. So, okay. Not not sure how that's working out. Um, But, yeah, we're super – so you're at the lake. Uh, Anna and I are back in the closet. Uh, Thanks to everyone who gave us feedback from last week's pod. Uh, We had a shout-out from Gloria Johnson and Justin Canoe, both people – Gloria's a state house rep. Justin ran for Congress. Um, Andrea Holtman, who's a healthcare advocate, we we're just really grateful for all of the support. Um, and a lot of you thought the 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 content was really really helpful and just you know it it provided you a deeper dive into Southern politics that maybe you you hadn't thought about or, or didn't know. So, um, all right, mom. So do you want to go ahead and take it away? 
I will, and I need to let all your listeners know that I'm a little bit nervous because this is my very first podcast. Um, I do speak out in public quite a bit because I give lectures on beekeeping, being a certified inspector for the state of Tennessee of beehives. But anyway, yes, I well, will start. And I just, sorry, and, and uh, for any of you who have not been able to attend her Honeys of the World presentation... You are really missing out. You are really missing out. Uh, it is one of the best presentations. She's collected honeys from all over the world, uh, and she is a wonderful public speaker. And a lot of my public speaking skills and cadence and and uh, theatric maybe maybe the theatrics come from dad. What do you think? Yes, not definitely not me. <laughs> okay, well, go ahead. And- I need to say something. When I hear you say I've collected honeys from the world, that sounds like something other than jars of honey. So I want to correct that, okay? Your dad would have a problem with me collecting honeys around the world. So, um, okay, anyway, no, no, let me no, no. start. Okay. Um, Afton introduced me. I'm her grits mama. And I know at some point in the future we'll be hearing from Anna's grits mama. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say that I am very grateful to both Afton and Anna for letting me have a forum to let my opinion and thoughts be heard. And I'm hoping that um, they will feel that this is grits worthy and maybe invite me back sometime to do another segment. I also need to say up front that the views I express in this podcast are not necessarily those of my grits Afton or Anna, her co-host, nor those of Afton's grits father. They are mine and mine alone, so I want that stated up front in case there's any questions later on. Um, So let me just say that um, maybe y'all have seen a bumper sticker on vehicles when you're driving around Tennessee. Uh, the, The bumper sticker that I have in mind, it says, not Southern by birth, but I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> so I want to say sometimes I think there needs to be an addendum bum- bumper sticker that you can put next to that bumper sticker I just mentioned that says dot, dot, dot. But there are times I wonder why I hurry to get here. <laughs> yeah, we, we so, feel you, Mom. That's a, that's a yes, yes, we agree. Okay, so... I'm thinking maybe over the course of this commentary or maybe those to come that um, people will understand why there needs to be an addendum to the not Southern by birth, but I got here as fast as I could bumper sticker. So the other thing that I'm not sure of is exactly when this podcast is going to be posted and I'm thinking it's probably after the month of February is done and over with but a little bit of my commentary here has to do uh, with the month of February and you'll understand why as I go along here. Well, and you know, Mom, we've been we've been uh, under promising, over delivering. So it looks like this will be <laughs> this will be uh, next week, which we're we're on, a, we're on a biweekly schedule. So we're feeling pretty good about oh, it. Wow. Okay. Well, considering I think Friday is March first because I have a hair appointment, so I never miss that, <laughs> which is why I remember. So I, if you're posting it on the weekend. 
February will be over, but that's okay. It's not over by much. So, all right. Okay, so let me tell you, um, the last time I heard from Afton regarding recording for the podcast, well, aside from today and getting ready, was in February, and it was the first Friday afternoon in February, and I was on a trip in Paris with my son Landon, and I want to say that's Paris, France, not Paris, Tennessee, because we do have a Paris, Tennessee, which is also a very lovely place, not as big as of a city, of course. It's in northwest Tennessee near the Kentucky border, and it also has an Eiffel Tower. Really? Yes, but that Eiffel Tower is only 70 feet high. There's no elevator to go up in it, as far as I know. And really, their biggest claim to fame is that they host the world's biggest fish fry. Wow. Of course, that's what they say. I don't know that cities in Wisconsin would agree with that or... I wonder, I wonder if the, I wonder if the French have heard of the world's biggest fish fry in Tennessee. <laughs> I don't know. That I don't know. But, so... When Afton told me, when she texted me when I was in Paris about recording the podcast, she said that her and Anna were, the time they were doing it, and because of the time change, I'd have to be ready to go between 1 and 2 a.m., so in the morning hours, and after a day spent touring the city of Paris, France, in the cold wind and rain, I decided to opt for sleep, and I said to her to tell her listeners that I was on assignment in Paris, France, (laughs) not Paris, Tennessee, and I would file my podcast commentary upon my return home. Mom, could you be, mom, side note, could you be our new field correspondent? Yes. You know what? I could probably do that. Okay. I probably could. Mama Grit, Mama Grits Bane, our new field correspondent. <laughs> so, and that's probably good you're asking me to do that because this commentary probably will come across more as a travel log than anything. So that is probably good. I will be the travel correspondent. Yes. Um, and you've got some great and you've got some great trips coming up. Bali. Yes, Bali, um, Las Vegas. Oh, oh, all right. Sin City. (laughs) Excited about that field commentary. Um, There's going to be no sinning going on, but (laughs) not in our family. But anyway, um, I guess that is what it's known as. And um, uh, there's other trips coming up as well. Um, uh, A trip to the northeastern U.S. I've got some girlfriend trips coming up. So, yes, um, I do not let grass grow under my feet at all. I'm gone a lot, truth be told. So, All right. Well, we're excited to hear about your Paris adventure. Okay. So let me say that these are some experiences I had in Paris, and I felt a connection to Paris based on some of the things I'm going to relate to the listening audience. So let me start by saying, if you know your American Revolution history, you'll remember that without France's financial and military help to gain our independence from Great Britain, we might not be a country today. I've always been very grateful to the French for their help in our securing our freedom from Great Britain. I'm going to say I'm no Francophile. I did enjoy Paris, but I'm 
saying that because a number of years ago, I was very irritated during a past U.S. presidential election when people were disparaging French fries because they linked the word French with the Democratic presidential candidate they felt was elitist. Oh, which we talked about on the last pod. Yes. Wow. They started calling French fries freedom fries. And I admit it's a catchy kind of moniker, but I don't think freedom fries, I don't think French fries should be classified as freedom fries because of the caloric tyranny that they hold us in while we eat them. They are, okay, so there is no freedom in eating French fries, but they are very good. But I'm digressing, and I need to stop because I don't want my daughter, my great Afton, to think it's time for me to be put in a nursing home. So, so let me continue on here. Um, getting back to the American Revolution, most of you, at least I'm hoping most of you, have probably heard of the Marquis de Lafayette, mm-hmm. a Frenchman who commanded American troops in several battles of the Revolutionary War, including Yorktown. We even have a city in Tennessee named Lafayette. When my son Landon and I were touring the Palace of Versailles outside Paris, uh, there is at the Palace of Versailles a number of French royalty, including Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette, lived there. And they have a huge hall there called the Gallery of Great Battles. And in that hall, there are large wall-to-wall paintings by famous French painters, including those painters who may have served the royal court for their portraiture and things Mm. like that. Uh, The Great Hall contains a sequential history of French battles that the French feel are very important to their collective history. And Landon pointed out to me that the first painting in the sequence in the Great Hall of Battles shows the historical founder of France, Clovis I. So when I moved down the walls of paintings, much to my surprise, there was a huge oil painting of General George Washington standing next to a military field tent with none other than Lafayette. Wow. So I was very surprised and very pleased that the French felt that their participation in our American Revolution was an important event in their collective history. So then when I'm in France, it was the start of U.S. Black History Month back home. And in all honesty, I'm not sure the French have a Black History Month, but I do know the history of black people in Paris is a very rich one. And Landon had requested that on our visit to Paris that we go see the Paris Pantheon so he could see the resting place of some of his favorite people from French history. And I have to admit, until the trip with Landon, I had no idea the French had a Pantheon since I always associated the Pantheon with the one in ancient Rome, or I should say the one ancient one in Rome, and it's a site that Afton and I visited on a mother-daughter trip a number of years ago. Side note, si- side note, uh, that trip ended with my mom and I walking on a Roman, ancient Roman road 
in the uh, in the gutters of the road because we couldn't find a path, and we were out in the middle of nowhere. And I felt so. And my phone was dying. We barely. I didn't have any service. So I'm sorry, mom, about that. I know you. Well, and and we didn't just walk on a nice little stroll. It was about a five or six hour slog <laughs> to try to get back to civilization yeah, and a train back to our Airbnb in Rome. So with our very cute Airbnb host, but that's that's another story. Yes, and that was a nice Airbnb, a very nice place to stay. So getting back to the visit to the Pantheon in Paris, France, and it's called the Paris Pantheon, uh, thanks to my very knowledgeable and well-read son, he took me on a bit of a tour of the Pantheon and gave me a little overview of many of the French citizens buried there. Citizens like Voltaire, Rousseau, Emile Zola, Marie Curie, and Victor Hugo. And Victor Hugo wrote Les Miserables. So I was excited to see all these these places, these um, burial places of these famous French people. But one of the people I was very most excited to see is a novelist from my youthful readings, and that is Alexandre Dumas. And the French may say Alexandre. I'm not sure because the ending of his first name is D-R-E, but I'll just say Alexandre Dumas. And many of you may remember that name because he wrote The Three Musketeers and The Count of Monte Cristo. So Landon and I saw where he was resting, and he was in a crypt with both Victor Hugo and Emile Zola. And I remember saying to Landon, oh my, after all the tourists leave at night, what conversations the three of them must have together. (laughs) And lots of drinking, I imagine. That might be. I don't know. I'm not sure. It is France, after all, and they do have good wine. Who knows? Um, But... uh, The other reason why both Landon and I were very excited to see Dumas' uh, burial site was because I don't think a lot of people know that his father was black. And this gets us back to Black History Month. And so Alexander Dumas' father was General Thomas Alexander Dumas, and of course he's named after a portion of his dad's name, and General Dumas became a brigadier general in revolutionary France as a cavalry commander and a swashbuckling, sword-fighting member of the French aristocracy. He was given command of 53,000 soldiers by Napoleon while he was still in his early 30s, and he secured the Alps for France and helped Napoleon thereby in his battles to become emperor of France. So after General Dumas' heroic service on many battlefronts, he was captured and put in a dungeon where his awful ordeal inspired one of his son's literary classics, which I mentioned earlier, The Count of Monte Cristo. So General Dumas, General Thomas Alexander Dumas, was black, as I said earlier. He was born in the French colony of what is now Haiti to a French aristocrat father and a black freed slave mother. Side note, side note, we'll talk about this at a later pod, but Haiti was the first independent um, 
the the slaves revolted. It was its first independent state, and it was actually uh, colonial Western countries that thwarted. Um, they they refused to invest in the country. But Haiti is is just an amazing an amazing country, and lots of his, rich history there as well. Huh, that's interesting. I did not know that. Okay, so. Uh, through another very long story that I won't get into, um, General Dumas, as a young child, ended up back in France. And when he got to France, his French aristocratic father put him in military school and got him educated. And what we might say, the rest is history from there, because I, I told you the story of him. Um, he was called the Black Count. And if you'd like to know more about Alexander Dumas' father, the general. There is a great book that actually was passed on to me to read by my grit's daughter, Afton. And Afton passed it on to me. I read it, and I passed it on to Landon, and he read it. And the title of the book is The Black Count, Glory, Revolution, Betrayal, and the Real Count of Monte Cristo. I think, if, Mom, if you had a memoir, that would, be, that would be yours as well. Glory, Revolution, Betrayal, and the Real Count. and what would i be the real count of (laughs) norris lake the countess of norris lake oh the countess of norris lake okay all right well let's hold that thought okay the the author of the book is tom rice i think that's how you say it it's r-e-i-s-s um i have to say that until i heard until I read about the Black Count, I had no idea how much more egalitarian French society was during their revolution than our society was during our American revolution. And the French even went beyond their revolution into their egalitarian society. So the Black population was treated quite a bit differently than ours was during the same period of time. Mm. And then Landon and I, we both marveled that uh, a person of mixed race, the novelist Alexandre Dumas, would be buried in a pantheon to French heroes. Mm. And that just... It, it really was special to know that. Um, I also want to say that the Black Count's exploits contributed, along with all the other military expenditures, to France being seriously in debt uh, during Napoleon's time. And so Napoleon needed to raise money. So he sold about 530 million acres of land on the North American continent to the United States during the time of Thomas Jefferson. And the deal was known as... Anna? You probably know. Pardon me? The Louisiana Purchase. Woo! Yes! My home state. That was it. So Anna lives, or is from... Is that correct, Anna? You're from Louisiana? Yes, Mm -hmm. I am. Okay, so that you're an American citizen thanks to the military exploits of a little bit of the Black Count, but a lot of other people, uh, French people, during the Napoleonic Wars and French uh, wartime. And now we can all eat beignets in New Orleans without having a passport. So I think that's kind of exciting. Vive la France! Yes. So... As Landon and I walked around Paris, we stumbled upon 
and I don't want to mean say literally, but we stumbled upon a restaurant called Tennessee. Mm. And the letters on the outside of the restaurant looked even kind of orange to me, the neon letters. I'm not sure really if they were, but it looked that way. And since it was lunchtime, we decided to go check it out. So when we got seated, I asked the waitress if the restaurant was named after the U.S. state of Tennessee or the American writer and playwright, Tennessee Williams. Tennessee Williams had spent some time in Paris, so I thought that might have been a possibility. But in broken English, she said, it's not named after country Tennessee, but after writer. So we looked around. We saw not one thing in the restaurant related to Tennessee Williams. But we did notice photos on the walls that I guess I felt maybe perpetuate stereotypes of what French people might think Tennesseans or Southerners in general look and dress like. Wow. And the photos showed mostly men, and the men were wearing frayed bib overalls and standing in mostly rural settings. There was only one picture of a woman that I could see, and she was holding a young child and looked a bit disheveled and was definitely tired looking. And being a mom, I thought, oh, I know that look really well. Um, the photos all looked like they could have dated back to the 50s, 1950s, 1960s. There was one shadow box picture framed filled with a montage of Sun Studio records. And uh, I know Afton's toured this studio, Sun Studio in Memphis, with the Girl Scouts. <laughs> and it's the music, the recording studio where in the 1950s especially, Elvis, Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, and another, uh, uh, Carl Perkins and other famous musical artists recorded a lot of their hits. So that's the only other thing we saw in there besides the people pictures I mentioned. And after we ate there, when we were on another walkabout trip in Paris, we saw a restaurant named Indiana. And I kind of regret not going in there because I should have gone in there to see, did they also have pictures of denim overall clad men, this time probably farmers they'd consider, and tired moms on their walls. But we'll never know because we didn't stop in to take a look-see. You think Mike Pence visited the restaurant when he, when he visits Paris? Does Mike Pence go to Paris? I don't know. No idea. Maybe, maybe that would be uh, an email to send him next time you're in Paris. You might want to stop there. I have no idea. Maybe, yeah, that's a good question. I have no idea. Maybe our listeners can maybe, let us know. Yeah, listeners, the Paris Griddles, let us know if Mike Pence has ever been in, in Paris, and we'll be sure to. You know, Mike Pence, true story, side note, expanded Medicaid in, in Indiana. Um, and so when we were trying to brainstorm what the Medicaid expansion campaign looked like in Tennessee, one of our friends, Kristen Grimm, who ran for state Senate, wanted to put all, all these bumper stickers that said, be like Ike, or be like Mike, be like Mike, sorry, not Ike, Ike. <laughs> Dwight Eisenhower, <laughs> <laughs> be like Mike and expand Medicaid, which I think is pretty funny. But anyways, mom, continue. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so the last pair of story that I'm going to share with y'all is, well, I'm going to call it democracy in action in my son's honor. Because when we were on the plane heading to Paris for our mother-son trip, he told me that he hoped he could see a yellow vest protest while we were in Paris because he wanted to see democracy in action. 
And my thought was when he said this is, well, you sure can tell he isn't old enough to remember the 1960s protests in both France and the United States, because uh, that was mostly about the Vietnam War at the time. But um, anyway, from a safety standpoint, and also because we were guests in another country, I wasn't real keen on witnessing any kind of protests or seeing any of it. And I didn't want to get mistakenly caught up in something um, because maybe the protests got out of hand. Um, I just felt, no, I didn't want that to happen. Well, on the last day we were in Paris, we both decided to go our own way and see some things that um, we wanted to see personally. And Landon wanted to see the Arc de Triomphe, and he wanted to walk down the whole Champs-Élysées, which leads from the Arc de Triomphe. And I wanted to go to the Capado Center to see the Arc work there. And so we went our own way. And um, I do need to mention that the prior Saturday before our last day, we were in Paris, there were protests just a few blocks from our hotel of the yellow, the yellow vest protests, but we weren't aware of them because we had been out touring all day. But when we went past the plaza there, it's called the Place de la République, they have a large, very large statue of Marianne, uh, who is their symbol of liberty. And if I remember right, I think our Statue of Liberty is kind of based on Marianne. Mm. Um, I'm not sure of that, though, but there is a caption carved on the bottom of this huge statue called, uh, that's, the caption reads, Liberty, Equality, Fraternity. So we missed that protest, but we could tell that they had been there because there was still debris in the plaza and there were flags and things hanging off of uh, Marianne and some parts of the statue. So I thought, okay, well, we missed that protest, but... Then on that last day, when I got back to the hotel after doing what I wanted to do in Paris, um, I turned the TV on, turned, turned to BBC, and saw that the Yellow Vests were protesting on, well, at the end of the Champs-Élysées in the Place de la Concorde, I think is how you say it. And that's the um, plaza that has the very large, tall obelisk that Napoleon brought back from Egypt uh, from one of his uh, military conquests in the Egyptian territory. And it's on this plaza, and the protests were going on there. And so my first thought is, oh, I hope Landon's, Landon's already on his way back. You know, who knows where he is? And I was kind of worried, and sure enough, he got back into the hotel room and he smelled kind of funny and he wanted to take a bath <laughs> not just right his, away. Not just his and usual millennial boy smell? Not the usual. A little bit... Um, more potent? Yeah, more potent. That's a good way to put it. And he says he got to see democracy in action. And he was a bystander to democracy in action. So he was saying that the police threw a can of tear gas at the protesters, and then somebody had picked it up. Um, he thought maybe one of the protesters and threw it his way. 
And so he got sprayed with that a little bit. And then also he said that they were kind of getting out of hand and they started throwing bricks. And another kind fellow bystander pulled him down to the ground. So I guess he didn't get hit by anything. And then he said to me, well, all I could hear was your voice saying, don't do anything stupid in a foreign country. (laughs) And so he said he got out of there and then he headed back to the hotel. So I'm very grateful that everything was okay and he was safe and got back okay and uh he got to see democracy in action because he's never witnessed a protest before well he did he did go inside you know when i had my when trump came to nashville in in may of last year he actually came to my protest and then went inside and learned a lot about trump culture Yes, but he wasn't himself protesting. No, he was no, there no, no. As, a, as an vice, observer, like yeah. he was in Paris. Right, right, right. Yes, yes. And and going back to the Trump rally in Nashville, um, he said that he found that actually quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was you revelatory know? for him. I think. So, and then in in scrolling ahead through time. I went to lunch with a girlfriend a few weeks ago, and we were talking about my Paris trip, and I mentioned this story to her. And she said to me, um, I don't consider the Yellow Vest protest as being a demonstration of democracy in action at all. And she said it very kind of flippant and snottily. And so I said to her, well, what do you consider being democracy in action you know what's your thoughts on that how would somebody show that in your opinion and she couldn't tell me at all of any of it um i did say to her that you know i'm aware that at times the protests in france have gotten a little out of hand they first they first started out very just people protesting the the price the rising price of fuel prices and then it morphed into protesting the cost of living and the taxes raising of taxes in general and then lately it's just been a protest against the macron government overall so she said oh no that's that's not how she sees democracy should be handled and i said well i'm very happy to live in a country where we're allowed to protest and we have the right to free speech and we have the right to our opinions and she agreed with having the right to your opinions but not much more and then she said to me i'm still upset that the french guillotined the royal family during the french revolution and i'm also upset that the communists shot the czar's family during the russian revolution and i just have to say i was kind of speechless in hearing that and then in my mind i could only picture that Maybe she doesn't know much about the American Revolution because, if I remember right, we had American colonists dressed up as Native Americans throwing crates of tea into Boston Harbor to protest the high taxes on tea and a lot of their other upsets regarding taxes, taxes without representation. So with that, I just ended, I thought, the conversation with her. I thought there's no need to even go any further into this. Um, again, she's entitled to her opinion as we all are. So I'll leave it at that. Are you going to, are you going to tell her about the episode and maybe pass it along to her so she can list, she can learn about some American revolutionary history? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I don't think I will. Um, 
there, let's just put it this way. I've learned with a lot of my friends who just about all of them are big time Trump supporters that I have to do things incrementally with them yeah. and say things incrementally because I can't overwhelm them in any way with my thoughts on situations. Um, unlike they, your daughter, unlike your grits daughter. I, pro- yes, that would be true. <laughs> so now I do want to add, I guess this kind can kind of fit in with the travelogue part. But I know in the first podcast of 2019, uh, Afton mentioned our family trip to Bolivia. And she made some comments about that. And and these comments um, are true in, in so many ways. That one thing we all learned from that trip as a family is that millennials travel very differently than baby boomers do. And... I just want to say I enjoyed Bolivia. It was a grand adventure, and we have many big, grand, I guess that's redundant, memories from it that, as a family, we'll be talking about the rest of our lives. But I did find some things kind of stressful. Um, I want to say that I, as a baby boomer, when I travel, I do like a hotel over an Airbnb because I like cleanliness. You can't always be guaranteed how clean an Airbnb is. I like to have more than one towel for a week because my hair is long. And, um, yeah, I just like more than one towel for a week. And I like a concierge that can answer travel questions that we might have. And then if we're traveling during a holiday week, such as Christmas, I like to know that the hotel has a cafe that we can at least get a meal at because everything else might be closed where we're at. Um, And when it comes to Uber, my millennial said before we went to Bolivia that, oh, don't worry about us getting around in La Paz and outside of La Paz because we can always Uber everywhere. (laughs) And (laughs) my husband and I talked about it and it was under my suggestion. I said, why don't we rent a car? My husband has an international driver's license. And that way we know for sure we have transportation because we're going to be in a third world country in the middle of the Andes. And most people are too impoverished to even own a car. So who would have Uber capabilities there? Well, then you heard Afton's story in the podcast about um, some of the driving. And that was very exciting to say the least, um, in that country. Um, I also want to say that where we were at in La Paz and at Lake Titicaca, we were up uh, a minimum of 12,500 feet and on up to probably almost 14,000 feet at any given time because La Paz is the highest capital city in the world. And the airport you fly in to get there is the highest international airport in the world. And When you're up that high, you're more than double the feet of the Mile High City, Denver. And if any of you listening on the podcast have skied in the mountains, in the Rocky Mountains outside Denver, or even just been to Denver, which is just one mile high, some of you may have suffered from altitude sickness. Well, that also happens in Bolivia when you're up that high. And then... Try to hike for several hours, first climbing 100 
stone Incan steps, very steep ones, <laughs> at that kind of elevation. And frankly, it seemed more like uh, more than a hundred steps. It seems like more like a thousand steps, and then hike for another couple hours to get to the Airbnb. So that was a real adventure. And we were huffing and puffing. And I will say that once we got to the Airbnb, the view was awesome. It really was beautiful. And we so we were there like two days total. And very pleasant time to be there. I also want to add that the next morning after that hike to get to the Airbnb, everybody but me was complaining about being sore. <laughs> and everybody, including my grits Afton, uh, was popping Tylenol for pain. So it wasn't the easiest of hikes, but it really was worthwhile. And I'm glad I did it. Um, I'm, we're all glad I think we did it. We did that trip. And I also want to mention that another bit of Bolivian history is that it is a wild and woolly country. It's very authentic. It's probably one of the most authentic countries I've ever been to. They're not really set up for tourists, and they really could care less that you're there, kind of. And I want to make mention that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid died in a shootout in Bolivia. So that's how wild and woolly it is. So that's... Well, All I'm going to say, is there any rebuttal, any questions? I have a few, I have a few thoughts. One, thank you for uh, saying that you really enjoyed the Airbnb. I did feel bad about booking a place like that and not knowing that it was going to take a six-hour car ride, two boat rides, and a hike, an hour-and-a-half hike. So apologies, and thank you for accepting my apology. Uh, I think my favorite— I haven't said I've accepted, but oh. okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and then I think one of my favorite moments of that trip, particularly with Landon, uh, was we hiked all the way down. We were on this island, this, I mean, really ancient Incan island, and, and the Incans believed that it was the, uh, the, where they were birthed. Is that right, Mom? Yes, it's the birthplace of the right. Incas. It's the East, East, how do you say East, it in Spanish? Isla del Sol. Isla del Sol. And uh, Landon wanted to participate in a Incan baptism. So we hiked all the way down to the bottom of the island, which it's very steep. And he got, he stripped down to his underwear and ran into this really cold, like, titty caca, and it was a very ceremonial ritual for him, and I'm sure he's felt like he's been, you know, ordained or some type of, you know, elevated uh, in the spiritual world. Any thoughts on that, Mom? No, I can't say that. He'd have to speak about that. We'll invite him on the pod. We'll have, we'll have Brother Griddles on the pod. Yeah, Brits. Brits. Oh, Brit, Brothers Raised in the South. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's that funny. That sounds good. Or Boys Raised in the South. Oh, yeah. Me. Or that. Yeah. <laughs> or that. Or that, too. Anything else, Mom? It's it, This has been really, really fun. Anna and I have learned a lot. Typically, it's me learning from Anna and then telling outrageous stories. But it's nice to have you're You're mm-hmm. a wonderful, a, a nice addition to the pod. And we're excited to have you back. Wow, I'm happy to hear that. I thought maybe it would just be a, a one-time only thing after all this. So that's nice to hear. Well, I've got to ask. I've got to ask my my co-host. How do you? Oh, of course. Thank okay. you so much for coming on. 
it, 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 well, it makes us it makes our lives easier because typically we have to put in a lot more work and you've already <laughs> you you did so much and so this will just be our episode de- dedicated to our our griddle griddle moms griddle moms well and I'm excited to have Anna's mom do a segment me too what is she going to yeah. talk about Oh, she can talk so about I anything. think that'll be fun, and um, I want to thank you for letting me do this. I very, again, have been nervous, and talking on a cell phone and saying all this is a little bit different than standing up in front of a group and speaking, so it's a novel thing for me. I hope the recording turns out well, and I hope your editor is very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, we. I don't even think we'll have to edit this portion. I mean, mm-hmm. you did such a phenomenal job. So you, so you'll be typically you're speaking to honeys. You're speaking to your two griddle honeys now, um, and now you're going to go back to your honey. Yes, uh huh. And uh, it's Saturday, so it's basketball day here in Tennessee. And unfortunately, <laughs> the main game we wanted to watch, which was earlier, and we did watch, was the Tennessee Volunteers play. LSU, Anna. Oh, wow. And and they lost. And LSU, (laughs) your dad said, I don't know a lot about basketball, but your dad said that LSU now are the SEC champs in basketball. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't know that. I need to keep (laughs) up. Okay, so you might want to, I mean, Google ESPN, and they'll be able to tell you, but um, they lost by one point in overtime, I do believe. Well, I don't know how Anna could keep up with SEC basketball when she barely keeps up with our pod, so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, that's fair. And I know Anna's very busy and making a difference in Tennessee with uh, trying to get disabled and impoverished and people in need of medical care the health care that they need. And I appreciate that, Anna. Oh, thank you. And any shout-out to your daughter for (laughs) taking down the Speaker of the House this week? Oh, I'm not aware of that, but I'm proud of you because I know you're trying to make a difference in your state and make a difference in the quality of people's lives. Democracy in action. It is democracy in action. And, again, we're very lucky to live in a place where we can do that. That's true. As private citizens and, and try to make a difference that way with the democracy in action that's right well thanks mom we love you we're grateful for you and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and uh we will be debuting this episode uh soon so we'll make sure that i'll I'll drop a line in the mom dad afton uh text thread landon's not included because he doesn't have an iphone so Okay. And so do you want me to get off the phone right now so you can do some more of your segment? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. All right. All right. Thank you, ladies. And um, I'm happy to have been part of a Grits podcast. All have right. Have a great rest of the day. All right. Our, signing off, our field correspondent, Mama, Mama Griddles Bane. <laughs> signing off for now. All right. Love Bye, you. Y'all. Bye. Bye. Okay. Wow. That was... Mama Bane has a lot of feelings. I like her Bolivia rebuttal. <laughs> she has to stick up for herself. She has to stick up for herself because I talk a lot. And if you ever, if you are listening and I tell a story and you feel like it is absolutely not how that happened or went down, <laughs> please let us know and we will have you on the pod to provide your rebuttal. Don't think it's just only for mothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the mother rebuttals are pretty funny because, you know, there are moms. Um Grits Gratitude Corner. Okay, well, uh, so my mom talked a little bit about democracy in action. I think she told me 
uh, prior to this episode that she's going to come back and talk about freedom of the press, the fourth estate, as it's called in, in France. She's really in French history, apparently, <laughs> right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm really grateful for the press in Tennessee, uh, as, we, as I talked about um, in my updates, that we really, this is an unprecedented period in our history where the press is demonized and vilified, and it, and it is it is pretty terrifying, I think. Um, and I'm just grateful for them that they continue to show up. They, they continue to shed light on the truth as your favorite Washington post democracy dies in darkness. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what we would do without them. And I think, um, obviously they have to tell both sides of the story when we're trying to promote Medicaid expansion, they post editorials from the beacon center about free markets and things like that. Um, and although we often criticize them for leaning a little further right than we would hope and opening platforms for people like the Speaker of the House to write an op-ed about sexual assault victim stories as fake news. I, I do want to say I'm grateful for them because I think that they are instrumental to they they are democracy in action. They really are. So thank you to the Tennessean, shall I say it, the Nashville scene, WKRN, WPLN, a lot of the local outlets that have been covering the story of, of our work with Enough is Enough Tennessee uh, and Indivisible. And I'm, I'm very grateful for all of you. So and I'm not sure if I've, I've recruited any media griddles yet uh, from the local news, but uh, I hope I hope y'all listen and, and hear uh, how grateful I am for you. Anna, what are you and grateful for? I just want to say, oh. and your work has made a national impact. Oh, yeah. Media as well. Thanks. I mean, oh, that's right. Jake Tapper, yeah. which yeah. I have my own issues with Jake Tapper, but we'll give it to him. Thank you, Anna. Yeah. yeah. What are you grateful for? So this is tough. Mine's not quite as noble as yours, but, um, so I've been, I can be a bit of a loner. Um, and this week I'm just super grateful that, um, that by saying yes to things and opening up to other people, it just like adds so much to life and you have to be around like the right people for that to happen. But I just had like, such important conversations with coworkers this week um, that, you know, in the months and months and sometimes years working with them that I haven't had before. Um, And so just by making that time, you know, you usually don't think it. You're like, we work together every day. Like, why would we talk for an hour after work? But sometimes that makes all the difference as far as feeling heard. Um, Well, you see them in a different light. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, empathizing with people and and having real conversations that uh, help you grow as a person. And so, like, I can be so focused on, like, getting my list done and doing, um, you know, living my best life, and and I can... I can kind of compartmentalize parts of my life, um, but I really want to try to, like, connect um, face-to-face. I think I said that as, as part of our New Year's resolutions. I was like, I need to get off my phone and stop. That's right. Um, I got to hold you accountability, buddy. Yeah. So I, I will just, not hold you accountable to the 30 for 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just have to, like, put down my phone and, like, actually talk to a human being, which, you know— Makes sense, right? That's right. Um, but yeah, there's been a handful of people, both current coworkers and past coworkers, um, that have given me a lot of time and space this week um, to feel my feelings, say my stuff, and um, I'm really grateful for that. Well, all right. So uh, this has been this has been a really great pod. I'm excited about this. We've been. Over-delivering, under-promising, brought to you <laughs> since 2019. We are here for it. 
I have, uh, throughout this episode, peeled off every one of my gel nails on Anna's closet floor, so you're welcome. <laughs> I'm not picking that up. Yeah. Sure. Um, please rate and subscribe us. Apparently, I was listening to a pod today, and because we're neophytes in the podcasting world, I realized that the more people that rate and subscribe you, the higher we, you know, the higher your, the algorithm pushes you up to the top. And mm-hmm. not, not that we want to be big time, but you know, I feel like I don't want the pressure, but <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't want the pressure. So you're going to go into hiding if we get big. <laughs> um, but we do want to sell T, sell out T-Pack at some yeah. point. I yeah, think that's true. a, that's a pod goal. Um, and so please rate and subscribe us. Please follow us on Twitter. We've got a, a growing social media presence uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, please share with all of your friends. I've been getting better about tagging people who are mentioned in the pod so that you can share it uh, with your friends. Uh, but we love all the support. We're still working on the merchandise, um, but it's coming. Oh, Anna, I bought you a pineapple keychain from the dollar store mm-hmm. that was a dollar you know some things aren't a dollar Frankie chewed it oh my gosh he destroyed it and I yelled at him oh that's okay Chris was like it's a dollar you can it's it's a pineapple it's the thought that counts it embodies our friendship anyways um so please, please rate and subscribe. Follow us on on the the media channels. Thanks for all the shout outs and positivity, and we're we're really grateful for everyone. And you're in this journey with us. So, uh, tune in next week. Stay tuned. Oh, we forgot to ask my mom about millennial burnout, which isn't a thing according to her. <laughs> That's gonna be a testy pod. That's gonna be a really good that might episode. be a that might be a, a episode where we talk and then we don't talk for a few months. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, and until next time, keep it gritty. Keep it gritty. Let's get gritty. Bye.